Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of SpinCast. Today, we're diving back into the world of collegiate esports. Joining us is Sean Burney. He is the esports director at St. Clair College. So without further ado, Sean, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us where your passions in esports gaming started. Um, take us back into your history a little bit and then show us kind of where that path kind of led you and took you to becoming the esports director at St. Clair. Yeah, so thank, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Um, you know, I've been probably like most of your guests, a lifetime gamer. And, uh, you know, when I was a student in university, I wanted to kind of create a social environment for gaming on campus. Um, I had been kind of hanging out with buddies, playing video games at my parents' house at the time. And eventually after, you know, one of these gaming events where I had 25 or 30 friends over to play, my parents essentially said, you can't do this here anymore. It's too much, too loud. You're taking up too much space. So we had to kind of uh, find a new option. And we, we realized that if we started a club on campus, we'd be given space and we could run bigger events and invite more people to join. So that's what we did. And the club was highly successful. Hundreds of people joined. And eventually we even realized that there might be a business opportunity there. Um, after one of our events, after all of the receipts were tallied, all of the you know, IOUs were paid back, we still had some money left over. So we, we realized we had generated a little bit of a profit. And from mm -hmm. there, we founded, a, we founded a company and we, we worked with the um, you know, business incubator on campus and we, we launched it. And for five or six years, we ran events all over Ontario, Quebec and, and Michigan. Um, just esports events, bringing our knowledge um, to other communities and helping people socialize around gaming. Uh, eventually, that kind of led to a consulting opportunity with St. Clair College to run an event on campus. Students at St. Clair have been, you know, running esports events for a long time, over 15 years. But with uh, them wanting to move to a larger space, they needed some help in terms of, you know, running an event on a much larger scale. So they invited us in to consult. And while I was in those meetings, um, I kind of pitched the idea, you know, why not do more than just launch one event? Why not launch Canada's first varsity program? And mm -hmm. at first, you know, they were kind of stunned. They had to kind of leave the meeting and look into it on their own. And I sent them a bunch of links and a bunch of things to read. And they came back to the next meeting and said, this is a great idea, we should do this. So that's kind of, you know, uh, end of 2016 early 2017 we um decided to go you know head on into varsity esports and um by september of 2017 we started competing so it's been you know, it was kind of a wild ride but we got things going we were the first in canada still only a handful of canadian schools have have kind of jumped into the space um but we're trying to kind of help get more canadian schools activated and involved in esports now because there's just been a tremendous amount of value for our students. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, once these esports, you know, programs or clubs or varsity programs, whatever they are, once they're built out, like students immediately buy into it, right? And it's so great because like you said in the in that brief intro was it's that sense of community, right? It's engaging and engaging socially. And I think, you know, once these varsity programs are more widespread, then you'll start to see it in so much more important lights and kind of see the effects both inside on campus and then kind of what that helps in those next steps as well. And all the skills they develop by being able to be part of clubs like yours or varsity programs, I'm sorry, um, but like, you know, programs like yours. So that's absolutely awesome to hear. Uh, but I'm more interested. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, the first varsity program in Canada. Tell us, you know, what competitions do you compete in? What teams do you have? 
Um, what does, you know, your structure look like? How do you approach all of those different things to, you know, build that successful um, varsity program at St. Clair? Sure. So, so we actually kind of, kind of have like three different levels of esports, three different esports programs uh, or pathways kind of at the college. So we've got the varsity program, which we talked about. We also have, you know, a, a club that, you know, is fairly new. We're actually kind of unique uh, for a college in that the varsity program came first and the club came second. In the, in, for most schools, it usually works the opposite way around. So our club was founded early last year. And in year one, they already um, received honors as club of the year at St. Clair College. So it was just, you know, huge growth, tremendous growth and, and a lot of, you know, good value for students. And then the third pathway um, you talked about earlier, even I think off the air, but, um, you know, you're interested in helping students get involved in esports that aren't necessarily players. And, and we wanted to do the same thing. Um, when, I, when I was a university student, I started off in biochemistry you know, nothing that I use today in my role as an esports director. Um, as soon as I realized that my passion was in esports, I started looking for other educational pathways that I could take that would help me um, with a career in this field. I ended up settling on business, which was a great decision, but it's still not perfectly tailored uh, to my needs. Mm -hmm. So eventually at the college, after seeing the success of our varsity program, I was approached by the chair of the School of Business, and he asked me, you know, why don't you develop an academic program around this? Um, and I jumped at it because that was exactly what I would have wanted to take, um, you know, several years earlier if the opportunity was there. So that's what we did in, in January of 2019. We launched our um, two-year diploma program. It's called Esports Administration and Entrepreneurship. Basically, we're, uh, you know, teaching students all of the skills they need to work in the industry, not necessarily as a player, but more so, you know, on the broadcast side or on the event management side or on the, you know, team management side. Um, some of those roles that are maybe a little bit more behind the scenes, but still integral to success of the industry. So those are kind of our three different pathways or different programs that we're, we're uh, you know, using at St. Clair College to reach as many students as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, those three are really comprehensive of what the esports space looks like, right? I think, you know, there's that, always that interesting question of like, what's the difference between esports and gaming, right? You know, one's more casual, one's more competitive. And that's kind of like the core idea, but there's some more nuances, especially, you know, you ask someone that's passionate about that in the community, they'll go off on a little tangent. Uh, but also the the educational side, right? The I always call it like that the fringe of the esports, right? So people that they don't get as much attention, right? It's the casters do, but the event production and the event management is a lot of the time it's just overlooked, right? People don't understand, you know, when we still had lands before COVID, how much logistical effort goes into that, right? How much of the, that process, how in-depth and complex it is. Um, and seeing, you know, coursework, courses like yours, diploma programs, to be able to teach those skills. Um, I think sets up that, you know, those classes for so much more success and obviously helps the industry when you're having educated individuals coming in rather than people that like, yeah, you know, I have the business acclimate, but like don't really understand the esports space or don't, you know, understand it as much as, you know, you would in the NFL or, you know, bigger kind of more developed um, competitive spaces. And that's no one's fault. I mean, esports is incredibly new, right? It's only five, six, seven years old, depending on how you measure it. Um, but, you know, over time with more programs like yours, we'll see a lot of that influx of the educated people, um, for sure. But I did want to dive in um, to some of my other questions, um, talking about what are those differences between the three for you? You know, how do you steer your students kind of down those three paths? What do you look like or look for um, to really help those students find that right path? Is there any process behind that? You know, just take me through what that looks like. 
honestly, it's, it's, it's almost like the opposite. It's not like I'm really looking for anything. I'm letting the, the students drive what we create at the college. We want to make sure that, um, you know, we're not ignoring any particular group. So mm-hmm. the club is a great environment for students that want to take it more casual. They want to hang out. They want to socialize around gaming. They want to be involved in, in a community aspect. The varsity team is for those competitors, those um, students that, you know, maybe do have a goal of going pro in their game. Or if not pro, they do have a competitive drive and they're trying to find, um, you know, uh, some way of kind of competing and representing their school. They get pride out of that. So it's a different, it's a totally different subset of students that are involved in each of those groups. And then finally on the academic side, you know, it's exactly students that were in my shoes, you know, when I was in 2012 or whatever it was, when I realized there was a business opportunity here, but I didn't know where to go. You know, I didn't know how to get an education that would help me um, you know, achieve my goals in, you know, creating a career around esports. So um, that's what the program really dives into is the students that maybe they're not that great at the games. You know, I realized early on, like, oh, I like games, maybe it's slightly above average, but there's no way I'm ever going pro, mm-hmm. right? But I still want to be involved in this. So how can I be involved? For me, it was event management. You know, early on, started running events. We, we started that company that was focused on event management. Um, and we have students that are similar to me. They want to do similar things like that, or maybe they have, uh, you know, an interest in coaching, or maybe they have an in- interest in you know, broadcast, streaming on Twitch, creating content. Um, we have students that last year in their first semester um, took such a interest in broadcast that they um, were they started getting hired in the first, their first semester, they were starting to get hired to run broadcasts for, mm-hmm. you know, groups like Upsurge, for example. Some of our students have now worked on like the, the PAX Valorant tournaments um, on the broadcast side, either as observers or as, you know, sound audio text, that kind of thing. So it's been really cool to kind of create those opportunities where these students can go out there and learn something basic with us and then take that and go and, and, and create these opportunities for themselves that, didn't even exist um, when they first entered the program. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you hit it on the head in a number of different ways there. It's, there's so many of these pathways and avenues in esports. I think a lot of people just don't really, you know, understand or have been exposed to it enough to be like, wow, there are actually like, if you have any kind of X skill, you can apply it readily, right? Are you a creative individual? Well, you know, you can go be a, a graphic designer for the thousands of graphics we see on a daily basis on social media in the esports space, right? Like esports is a very much like content centric um, kind of industry. So like graphic designs and video editors go such a long way and you can explore your creativity there. Do you want to be a caster? So are you a personality? Do you have a good voice? You know, um, do you understand how to use that voice? Go cast. And on and on and on, like you said, all those other pathways. So it's so great that, you know, you're allowing and enabling people to find those pathways and avenues themselves. And that's awesome. Um, kind of switching gears here, focusing more on the competitive side, the varsity program, obviously as the first um, program or the first varsity program in Canada, like you said, take me through kind of, you know, what a varsity program entails, right? Because I think we kind of understand, obviously, but for our audience, that's a little less knowledgeable in the space. Um, what is a varsity, you know, having that varsity status really kind of and uh, allow for you to pursue at a higher degree than you know remaining at the club level yeah so like competitive esports on the like the collegiate level has probably been around since something like 2009 collegiate star league starting things up but for many years it was just club level teams with no support from their institution or very very little support from their institution so what we realized early on was that you know just with a little bit of support you could take these programs and go so much further Right. So 
um, what we do is we provide a structure we provide a continuity that is not really seen in club teams. So I'll give you an example. In, in Canada here, we have some very strong club-level programs. Um, we have club-level programs that have won national championships with zero support from their institution. The problem becomes that um, they might be very, very strong in one year. And then let's say, for example, the president of that club um, graduates and is gone. So then the next year, that club is starting over from scratch. And a lot of times they'll go through a few more like growing years where they have to relearn all of the same skills that were already known by somebody just a few years before. So yep. what we can do through the varsity program is with staff in place, we can, you know, learn those things that are needed to be learned and we can keep them going and we can continue year over year. So we don't need to relearn everything each year. Um, we're able to provide, you know, a structure some resources, some funding that clubs are not able to do. So in our program, um, we usually, and this will vary a little bit year by year, like this year, for example, we're, we're going to be adding Call of Duty, but at the same time, because of not no longer being able to attend local live events, we're going to kind of put Super Smash Bros. on hiatus. So mm -hmm. the, our number fluctuates a little, but we'll be right around 10 teams this year, um, 10 varsity teams. And each of those teams has a coach. Some are paid, some are volunteer, some are student staff, some are volunteers from the community. Um, so we have a mixture of ways to do that. We don't have a gigantic, you know, division one uh, athletics budget to work with. So we, we have to piece things together as best as we can. But um, my goal when launching a team is, you know, let's get somebody um, on board who's going to coach and manage that team, provide them with that structure so that the students, so that the players can concentrate on what they do best, which is play the game and compete. So we've got that staff in place that can take all the burden of, you know, registering for tournaments, communicating with other coaches and all off of their shoulders, scheduling and whatever else. Um, so that the players can get into the room, into the facilities, which is another thing that we're able to provide that, you know, clubs aren't usually able to provide is you know, a high level of facilities. Um, but they can get into the facility, they can play and they can practice and they can focus on what they want to do, which is just compete. On top yeah. of that, you know, you've got, scholarships provided for these students so they're getting you know like rewarded with a scholarship for competing for our team um and then you know jerseys and in a regular year like in a non-pandemic year um travel to events and that kind of thing as well so those are some of the things that we're providing uh, to students in the varsity program yeah you know i think you know kind of going off of that's really just all of those ideas just you're centric like you said to get, taking those burdens off the player's shoulders right you know a football player doesn't have to worry about like scheduling and the logistics and the transport of the equipment and field maintenance etc cetera, etc cetera, right when you're able to provide the facility and the logistics and the management of the team all of a sudden the players just focus on being players right rather than at clubs you know you still have the well I got to, you know, worry about scheduling matches and doing all these applications to get into leagues and all of that takes away from practice time and, you know, puts more mental stress. So like it kind of diminishes your performance over time for sure. Absolutely. Um, my next question, before we run out of time here, we are nearing our ended time slot. So unfortunately, uh, but great discussion so far, looking kind of at the collegiate scene and all your experience, right? You obviously have a ton of experience. Collegiate esports is taking off, but it isn't like mainstream that you see, you know, college game day for football, right? Or college game day for basketball. So what are those next steps that you think, you know, collegiate esports kind of holistically need to take to really bring that, you know, awareness and visibility up to the next level to really be seen by like the general public as well. We should actually get involved in this. We should support our local colleges and, you know, root for them when they're playing in these big time matches. 
Well, I think it's really just comes down to education. And over time, we're getting there. And I don't mean education towards students. I mean education towards the general public to understand what it is that we're doing and why it's important. Um, I, I attend a lot of conferences, and I'm, I'm invited to speak at a lot of conferences. And, and usually the subject I'm invited to speak on is, you know, what are the value for the students, for the institution to, you know, to include programs like this? So um, I, I think over time, I'm, we're getting more and more people that maybe aren't gamers. Maybe they're from an older generation that doesn't quite understand getting more and more of that generation to understand why this is important and why there's a ton of value here. And I think through that, you know, we're going to get people on board that maybe have the resources that um, the younger generations that are interested in this stuff just didn't have access to before. You know, we're seeing, um, you know, larger networks come on board, like, you know, Disney has broadcasted esports, for example. Mm -hmm. It's only a matter of, matter of time before they realize, like, okay, we've broadcasted professional. Maybe we should look at broadcasting broadcasting collegiate esports as well and eventually i have no doubt in my mind we'll see high school esports you know that are like reaching mainstream audiences even so um it's just it comes down to time and to education i think the one thing that's maybe you know and this is this is an opinion that maybe not everybody shares but i do think one of the things that's slowing um down the development a little bit more is that um you know the major difference between collegiate esports and collegiate athletics is that you know nobody owns the sport of basketball, for example, but there are developers that own the IP of these games. And the developers are taking a variety of approaches. Some of them are very hands-off, which in my opinion is a good thing. It allows for experimentation. It allows for other leagues to grow and to flourish. And then other developers are really tight-fisted around their IP. And mm -hmm. you know they have the right to do so, but it's also stifling some of the growth. It's, it's stifling a lot of these smaller leagues I've seen, for example, high school associations being sent cease and desist. And these are high school associations that are being run by, uh, you know, volunteer staff, volunteer teachers at schools that are just trying to create content for their kids. And they're being shut down because, you know, develop, the developers want to take and maintain control over it. Um, I think those things, unfortunately, are having a negative impact on, on the growth of collegiate and high school esports. Um, so I'd like to see that loosen up a bit so that some more experimentation can can happen. Um, in recent times, you know, I'm a board member for the National Association of Collegiate Esports. Um, luckily, in, in recent times, we've had like quite a few breakthroughs with developers in, in starting to understand what we're trying to do, trying to bring more esports to more institutions outside of just their like small sanctioned um, competition. So it's been great. We're making progress. And I think, uh, and I hope that more of that progress happens moving forward. Yeah, that, that kind of leads me to another point, um, but kind of going off that first, it's it's really interesting to see the relationships between, you know, the universities and the organizations that are the tournament providers in the collegiate space and then the publishers, because like you said, you know, a lot of people, there, there is an owner of League of Legends and Valorant and Rainbow Six and Rocket League and so on and so forth, but, you know, no one owns football, right? All you need is a field. You need a field, a ball, and 22 people. And you're pretty much good, um, but, you know, everything else for esports is far more than that. Um, Kind of looking at that, going into my, my last question before we have to stop here, it's, um, you know, looking at the NCAA, right? Obviously, you're in, you're in Canada, so not too much of relevance, but, you know, there's a lot of backlash when we talk about collegiate esports and the NCAA involvement in it. Because um, obviously, you know, we don't want the NCAA to kind of limit the possibilities because the biggest thing is that with esports is that you can play in some sort of amateur tournament almost on a nightly basis, right? Um, you don't want that to be taken away. But also, I feel like at the collegiate level, there's a lot of structure that's kind of being lacking, right? 
Um, you know, that's some of it's on the publishers and developers for not giving it. Um, and then some of it from the community of always having different kind of expectations or guidelines for certain games of like, hey, here's a rule set for this, but now it changes or the schedule is way different or very close to the same or overlapping. Um, so kind of with that in mind, you know, where do you think the structure of collegiate esports kind of sits and where would you like it to see it go to become more uniform across the board? Um, right now, it's like I mentioned before, it's, it's varied from title to title. Like you'll have some games like, for example, Counter-Strike, where the developers are pretty loose and pretty open with it. So if you want to run a tournament, you can. If you want to run a league, you can. Um, and it's, it's usually, a, to get approval, it's usually a very quick process. And you've got other developers that are a lot more tight-fisted, that want to control everything, um, that don't want others to experiment and try new event formats and leagues with their, with their games. I do think that unfortunately, you know, is the safest approach for them from a branding perspective, but it also stifles the growth of, of the scene of the community. Um, so where I would like to see things, I do think, you know, like one kind of not-for-profit group um, that can oversee how things are grown, how things grow in a, you know, an organic way that works for, you know, all of the stakeholders involved. So not something that's purely focused on what's best to drive profit for the IP owner and not purely on what's best for just only the students. It needs to be good for everybody. And I think right now we don't really have any type of association that really does that um, perfectly well. So long-term, I do hope that there's a little bit more um, sort of centralization or something um, towards one kind of body that can really oversee things and has the, uh, has kind of like the good, like the interests of all parties um, you know, at heart is taking them all at heart. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, it's hard to say where things will go. Like it's, it's, it's been messy for a long time and I don't see that getting any cleaner anytime soon. You know, you've got many different organizations, some for-profit, some not-for-profit, some local small governing bodies, some large North American, some international, right. It's, it's a lot of different layers to this and I don't see it getting any cleaner anytime soon. Um, but the biggest thing is, you know, you have, it, it's, it's a good problem, right? We're growing. These are growing pains. So we've got to look at it as struggles that we'll figure out. But the, the positive note is that we're moving forward and we're growing. So we just got to keep working at it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the positive note. Like you said, it's the industry is growing so rapidly that I think things are being figured out. Hopefully they get figured out a little more quickly. Um, so we can all be on that same page, right? So we can see the industry truly explode and, you know, be the same level that we see NFL Sundays are or um, World Cup soccer, for example. So, but unfortunately we are out of time. Sean, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me and talk about collegiate esports. Obviously you have a ton of experience and I very much so appreciate you sharing your insight on the industry. Um, really, you know, I, I think we all have that goal in mind to continue to grow the industry as much as we can to give, you know, more students and more younger people um, the opportunity to, you know, kind of pursue their passions and skills as they continue to grow and pursue those paths, pathways and avenues that we've been talking about this entire time. But real quick, if you will, go ahead, plug yourself, plug St. Clair, tell us where we can keep up to date on social media or website or anything else. Yeah, so for St. Clair College, for our uh, esports programs, if you're interested in checking them out, um, saintsgaming.ca or on any social media, you can look up saintsgamingca. Uh, and then for myself, if you're interested in my hot takes on esports, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, the, at the esports prof. Awesome, awesome. Everyone do that. 
I know, um, speaking from personal experience, I absolutely love to talk to anybody about esports, and obviously you do this, you do as well. Um, we all just want to see that the industry grow, and we're going to help in any way we can. To all our viewers and listeners, thanks for staying the entire time. Stay safe, stay healthy during the current pandemic, making sure you take care of yourselves and your loved ones, and ultimately, stay plugged in. Mm -hmm.